Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at RiskWise.com. Assalamu alaikum, Risk Nation. Thank you for tuning into the show. My name is Ahmed Manor, joined as always by Defender of Common Sense, Saeed Ali. Assalamu alaikum. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us again. Welcome back from our little hiatus. To this day, I can hear you laughing the, on the other end when I introduce you. <laughs> it's absurd, and it makes me laugh. It's going to stop help. being funny at some point. It, it, it's, it's moved away from funny to absurd. Okay, well, I'm not going to stop. So. I uh, know. Get over it. Saeed, <laughs> this is the launch of a new series. Yeah, I think this one's going to have broader reach than our last one, even though the last one came out as a result of a lot of questions that we received. A lot of people were asking and, and concerned with the debt that they, ha- they have. Mm-hmm. That's why we did that miniseries. I think this series, if you, if you don't have debt, thank you for being patient with us through that miniseries. Hopefully you listened and, and gained some benefits. But this new series on Zuhud, on minimalism, I think applies to everyone. Yeah, it's a really, really critical topic. And we're going to talk about this for, for a couple of important reasons. One is that this idea of zuhud or doing without or doing with less, minimalism, simple living, whatever you want to call it, it's really, really a foundational concept in our faith. And it's it's foundational in the way that the Prophet lived and the way that we're instructed to live in the Quran. And it's something that we tend to forget. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's Partially, you know, that's that that's the test, really. And I think we want to kind of address one thing here up front is that this is sometimes kind of an uncomfortable topic. Right. Right. Because people don't want to admit that they're attached to the dunya. Right. They don't want to admit that they're attached to the world. It's not something it, that's very hard on us and our egos and our nefs to to admit to. Yeah. Um, and that's human nature. Right. Is that we you know, we're, we're made to desire things. Yeah, we're made to want stuff, and everyone has their, everyone has their vices. You know, say he's got video games. Mm-hmm. I've got many. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can narrow narrow mine down to just one or two things. I've got many, um, but that's that's human nature. We're made to desire things, but it's also a test, right? In that, you know, we're we're instructed to do without and to do with little and to do with less because. Ultimately, these things are a distraction. We're going to get into that. But yeah. I think we want to acknowledge up front that it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for people. And that's okay if you're a little bit uncomfortable with the idea of doing without and doing with less because no big change ever really occurs if you stay inside your comfort zone. And if this seems uh, not so awesome in your mind, bear with us. Let's make this argument. And that's usually a good sign, right? When you feel like something, when you hear something, either in a chutbah or you know, a podcast or whatever it may be, when you hear something that's like really heavy on you, like it really hits you, mm. that's a good sign. You need, you need to listen and pay attention because there's probably something you have to do there to improve yourself. Right. So let's get into it. Absolutely. So this whole concept of zuhud and minimalism is really rooted in understanding what our purpose is in this world. Right. And that's something that everybody knows, right? Sayyid, what is the purpose of human beings in the world? What are we here to do? To worship Allah. It's in the Quran, right? That and we were created to worship Allah. And isn't it great that all Muslims know what our purpose on this planet is? That's an incredible blessing. Most people, you know, search the world to find out what the meaning of life is and what they're supposed to be doing and why are they here and what are they supposed to do? And, you know, it's an existential struggle for so many people and Muslims were blessed. We know. And it's, it's certainly one of those. It's one of the one of the things that really, really pulls people towards Islam is that clarity of focus. 
Mm-hmm. When you're a Muslim, you know that this is what you're here to do, and there's you know clear rules of engagement, and and that's what you do. Right. So that's that's our goal. Now, worship is the word that's used in the Quran. The the Mufassirun have said that to worship Allah means to come to know Allah or to remember Allah. Right. Yeah. So it's not necessarily saying that you know that you're here to pray and that praying is the only form of worship. No, but in the broader sense, worshiping, remembering God, reflecting on God's creation, following his commands, spreading his message, this is all kind of fits within the the definition here of worship. Right. And so the idea is that that's our goal, that's our purpose. That's why we're here. That's why we were created. Right? And so everything that, else Yeah, but it's not easy to just do that. There are some obstacles in the way. And right? there's some other things you have to do to live a life. Yeah. Right. You have to, you know, earn a living. You have to have money. You have to spend money. You have to have a family. You have to do all these things. This is part of life. And, they, and those are not things that we are asked to uh, refrain from. Right. No, rather, we're, you know, we have responsibilities. Right. Many of us have responsibilities that we have to support our family. We have to earn money. We have to put a roof over our heads. We have to put food on the table. We have to do all these things. It's, it's, it's a religious responsibility. It cannot be shunned. It would be sinful to shun those things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. We have to acknowledge that taken to excess, those same things that are your responsibility can become the cause of your destruction. Yeah. And that's like that's profound and difficult because it's not so easy for us to just shun everything. Go live on a mountaintop, you know, wearing a, a sheet for the rest of your life. That's kind of easier, right? Because you much know, easier. <laughs> that's incredibly easier. You know, with a strong boundary, like right here, you cannot own anything but this sheet you cannot live anywhere but on this mountain, on this patch of grass, period. And that's it. You have rules. But when we have to use our best judgment to understand when we're fulfilling our responsibility versus when we're becoming attached too firmly to this world, that, that's a struggle that we have, to, we have to endure. That's part of the test. Saeed is, is familiar with my, my, my wife and I, our, our struggles with diets and, <laughs> and staying on diets. Me and you, um, all, all of us, bro. Over the course of the last few years. But one of the things that we've learned about ourselves the hard way is we need clear and fast rules. Rules, man. Yeah. Like, you, you know, we, moderation in, in this case for us doesn't work. Like, we can't <laughs> say, okay, we're only going to have like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but not too much. No, no. Once you open that door, for me, I'm going to barge yeah. right through. Right. You open yep. up a crack, I'm barreling down. Right? <laughs> I, I'm with you on that 100%. So we need, we need hard and fast rules because it's easier. Once you know that you know I can't eat this and I can't eat that, and it's just not an option, right, then period. it's just not an option. Right? But if you have to say a, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, it's harder. Not to say you can't do it, but it's much, much harder. And that's what we were commanded to do when it comes to this world. So, and that, Yeah, exactly. That's the test. So in the, in the Quran, Allah says to, to, to really bring this to a, to, to a close, it says, Oh, you who believe... Do not let your wealth nor your children distract you from remembering God. Mm-hmm. And whoever does so is from those who have lost. Yeah. Right. So that's the warning. He doesn't say, Allah doesn't say, don't have this, don't have that. He doesn't say right. that at all. He says, don't let your wealth nor your children distract you from your purpose. And, and this isn't something that's necessarily just exclusive to Islam because there are other religions and cultures that acknowledge that wealth and children, family can be distractions to your ultimate purpose. I mean, you know, Catholic priests and nuns do not marry at all. They don't have kids at all. They obviously recognize that family and children can be a distraction away from God. You know, uh, Buddhist monks don't own don't have possessions, right, other than like a couple things 
other than that, there's no, you know, they don't own stuff. There's no money or wealth for them to be distracted by, distracted from their ultimate pursuits. So this this concept that money and wealth and family and, you know, things that you're pursuing and, and, and uh, supporting, it's not just us who recognize that those things can distract you from your ultimate purpose. But we don't take in Islam the very far extreme opinion that these things are distractions, don't do them at all. And that's, that, that really speaks to, I think, the beauty of Islam as many of us see it, is that Islam gives you a way to express those natural human inclinations and desires in a positive way. right? So what does the Sharia do? The Sharia gives you a way to, um, you know, uh, to, to, to express the, the desire for relationships through marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It gives you a way to express your desire for material things through, you know, acquiring those things that are that are permissible and, and you know, don't distract you or don't uh, don't go to excess. Right. Right. And it gives you ways to do all these things in a Sharia compliant or permissible way. But then it also has certain things that you can't do. Mm-hmm. That you have to stay away from. And so in that way, Islam really draws a line in in allowing us to fulfill some of those desires in a positive and controlled and measured way. As long as we don't go to excess and, and transgress the bounds. Right. So what we understand from all of this is that money and wealth and material possessions, they're just a means. Right. They're not the end. They're not the goal. They're not our purpose. Um, Allah isn't telling us not to have wealth. He's just telling us not to let it distract us from the reason we were put on the earth. Mm-hmm. And there's a hadith that we want to share here that really articulates the concept of zuhud. Um, or the idea of doing without. And in mm-hmm. this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ was asked by one of the companions, show me an action which, if I do it, Allah will love me yeah. and people will love me. Yeah, and okay. he said, And he said to Allah, he said, do without the world and Allah will love you. And do without that which people have and people will love you. Mm-hmm. I think we can instantly see that second half being absolutely true, right? Do without that which people have, and people will love you. Right? That's that's so obvious in it, how much it makes sense. You know, keeping up with the Joneses. That phrase is not meant in in, in like, it's not meant as a good thing. Like if you're keeping up with the Joneses, if somebody says you're keeping up with the Joneses, that's not good. It's not good for you to constantly pursue what other people have. It's not good for you to be envious or jealous about what other people have. It's not good for you to uh, constantly be aware of who bought what and who lives where and what they have. Nobody likes that. That's not a good characteristic, right? And there is a quote. I can't remember who said this. Ahmed, I don't know if you remember um, that. Comparison is the destroyer of joy. Mm, okay. But you like you can't be happy with the stuff that you have and that you've accomplished if what you're constantly doing is comparing yourself and what you have to other people. That comparison, that jealousness, that envy, that's a destroyer of joy. Nobody likes that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be around somebody like that. So we absolutely know the second half of this to be true, very obviously. And the first half is just as beautiful. Yeah, do do without the world, and Allah will love you. Why? Because Allah has promised you a reward at the end of all this. That if you if you keep your eyes on the prize, if you keep <laughs> focused on that on on that outcome on that end, then that would necessitate that you you know you minimize your involvement with this world and its many distractions. Mm-hmm. And the word used here in the hadith is zuhud. So the Prophet says, "Is head fit dunya." that have zuhud towards the dunya. And we're loosely translating this as doing without. 
It can also be translated as asceticism or renunciation. Mm-hmm. But the scholars define zuhud as having four elements. And let's speak to the four elements here briefly. The first is first element of zuhud is that you turn away from something, in this case, the dunya. Okay. And what's rooted in that idea of turning away from it is acknowledging that the dunya is not something that's worth pursuing. Like your whole 100% effort as a human being shouldn't be towards the pursuit of the dunya, of the, of the worldly, of worldly possessions. Exactly. I mean, you have to engage in the dunya. You have to take what you need from it. And that's the key. You have to take what you need from it, but you shouldn't take any more than that because it's not something worth investing in. Right. And the, the analogy I like to give is if you are going to invest in a company and that company was guaranteed to go bankrupt, that you mm-hmm. know at some point, someday, promised by God, that company is going under. You don't know when, but it's going to happen. How much are you investing in that company? <laughs> Not a whole lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the second element of Zuhud is... Like, sorry, sorry, if I can elaborate on that first point, like what that reminds me of is that in our world, in our lives, when we look at ourselves or anybody else, the way that we keep score of how well we're doing, right, as a human being, as a person, they're all material things, right? How much money do I make? Uh, what's my job title? How many kids? Where do I live? How big is my house? How many bedrooms? How many square feet? Uh, what car am I driving? What's the brand name of the wristwatch that I'm wearing? These are how we keep score of ourselves, how successful we are, and you know, really how we judge other people and how successful they are. There's a lot of studies about, uh, you know, in the, in the financial industry where I'm, my, my primary occupation, they, they looked at when, when people, or how much people trust somebody based on what they're wearing, right? If you show up to a meeting and you're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, nobody's gonna trust what you have to say even though you could be the most brilliant person in the world, but if you're wearing a suit and tie and you know dressed to the nines, you could be saying the exact same thing, people will trust you more, right? We're keeping score by what, material what possessions. Steve, Steve Jobs, jeans and a t-shirt. Well, I mean. I believed him. <laughs> you gotta get to a certain level before you can pull that off. Yeah. Zuckerberg, same thing, right? Black t-shirt and, uh, or gray t-shirt and jeans. No, so, so there's a really, really important point that you're making here that I think bears emphasis, is the, the idea of how do we measure our self-worth right the way that we're conditioned to measure our self-worth if it's you know goes unchecked by you know by society by family by cultural standards whatever it may be is money in the bank car in the driveway house job status power all these things right that's you know that's undeniable that that's how we're conditioned that we automatically are inclined to acquire these things because ultimately it makes us feel good about ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We have a nice little bank account, nice investment portfolio. We got a nice car, nice job. People respect us. We feel good. We feel like we've, we've made it. We've done something. We made something of ourselves. Right. But the Islamic worldview is, you know, flips that on its head. Is that the strength of somebody's, you know, or, the, or someone's value rather, the measure of self-worth has actually nothing to do with that. That person could be the worst person in the world. Because we measure value through, you know, piety, taqwa, and good character. Mm-hmm. What kind of person are you? Because if you're, if you're, you know, if you've, you know, dressed to the nines in Saeed's words, right? If you've got all this stuff, that's great. But is your heart diseased by greed and by envy and by wanting more and by lust and desire and all these things? Because mm-hmm. if so, you got some problems. 
Right. Right. So that's uh, that's that's a big part of this conversation. Is how do we measure our self worth? If we measure it in material terms, that's a big big problem. Right. So back to uh, defining zuhud. We mentioned the first element of zuhud is to turn away from something. The second is to seek independence from it. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this quite a bit in the past that there are numerous hadith um, that speak about the virtues of being financially independent. Right. Of being independent of the need of other people and the need of support and things like that. And this is really part and parcel with the the, the idea of, of, you know, doing with less and being a minimalist because the less that you need, the less stuff that you have, the less um, involvement you have with the world, the less dependent you'll be on it. Right. And and this takes a couple manifestations, right? It, it's You can have less stuff and that less stuff means less maintenance, right? I know people who will buy houses because it has storage for their stuff that they don't use ever. But storage is such a big deal. So, you know, if you have less stuff, you don't need that storage, you might not need that bigger house. So you can do with less stuff and achieve this goal. You can also, you know, if you are, you know, in the unfortunate circumstance of living paycheck to paycheck, that you have to have your paycheck every two weeks, otherwise you're going to go bankrupt, or you're going to have problems with your bills, then you are completely dependent on this world. You have no independence from it yet. If you're able to attain financial security that you have, you know, everything that you need, then that's one form. Well, I'm asking, I guess I should ask Ahmed, is that, would that be one form of being independent? I, absolutely. And I, I like to draw business analogies. So I don't know if you noticed. Um, <laughs> but the way I look at this is overhead. That as a business owner, especially you know, if, if you've got a startup or a small business, you want to minimize the amount of overhead you take on. Now, overhead could be staff, could be salaries you've got to pay. Overhead could be rent or office space, you know, the, the, the lease on your, on, your, on your premises. Overhead could be you know, software that you pay for. All this stuff that's required to run the business is called overhead. Yeah. And you want to minimize that as much as possible because the more overhead you take on, the harder you have to work and the more revenue you need to maintain that entire business. Yeah. And the, the, the death of a startup is when you can't make enough money to pay your overhead. Yeah. And so from the same perspective, I think we as individuals to embody this quality of zuhud or to practice zuhud is we need to minimize our overhead because the more stuff that we have, the more material possessions that we acquire, the more that we possess, the more maintenance it all requires. Mm-hmm. And that's time and energy that we're spending to maintain this lifestyle or this overhead that we could be spending fulfilling our purpose as human beings. That's a great analogy, man. Maybe I'm biased, but I like your business analogies. <laughs> you are biased. So hopefully other people get them. <laughs> so that was the second element of zuhud. The third element of zuhud is to despise love of the dunya, an excessive love and desire for the dunya from entering your heart. So I guess the first step in that is acknowledging that this desire for the dunya is entering your heart. And then when it does, you acknowledge it and you despise that it doesn't. And with them, I guess I'll ask this again. Whenever I see, um, I don't let people into my psychology here, a, a video uh, that somebody posts online of them driving their Tesla, I get this like urge. <laughs> oh my God, this is the best thing on four wheels. I really cannot wait to own one of these things. Would that be the, the dunya entering in my heart and me having to recognize that it is and then despising that it does? 
I, I'm not your spiritual guy. Don't ask me. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. But the danger here, what the scholars say, is that loving the dunya is the is the root of all sin. Mm. Because once you have that love and desire for the dunya, it opens the door to all kinds of things. Envy, right? Once you, once you have that desire, then you become envious of the guy in the video on Facebook with the Tesla. Yeah. Right. And envy and envy is particularly dangerous. If you think about envy, you break that down for a minute. Right. Envy is a tacit disapproval of Allah's decree. Huh. Think about that for a minute, because when you're envious of what someone else has, you're in a way saying to God, you should have given that to me. Right. That should be mine, not that person's. Right. And that's quite dangerous, as you can see. Mm. So there's envy. Right. There's jealousy. Right. Mm. Um, sorry. Envy and jealousy. I meant greed is what I meant is the next one. Yeah. Um, greed. Once you want, once you want something, then you want it, and once you have it, then you want more. Right. Right. When was the last time you got a raise at work and you said, "Yeah, I'm good now." That's enough. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. That's yeah. yeah. That's that's more than what I need, and I'm good. I can ride this out for the next, uh, you know, till I retire. Yeah. <laughs> no, because you always want more. As soon as you reach that milestone, whether it's a raise, whether it's some material possession, as soon as you hit that milestone and you achieve it, you always want the next thing, and that's human nature. Right. And then there's a love of power. There's showing off. There's all of these diseases of the heart, you know, destructive diseases. And they're quite serious. Right. And ultimately, you know, the, the only one who's saved on the day of judgment is the one who comes to Allah with a sound heart. That's in the Quran. Right. So and all these things, uh, the love of the world and envy and greed and pride, arrogance, uh, having all this stuff. What does it do? Like we said before, it makes you feel good about yourself. That's arrogance. Right. You start to feel better than other people who don't have all this stuff. <laughs> right. And somebody with an, uh, a mustard seed of arrogance won't enter paradise. It's quite yeah. serious. Right. So the, the point is that that love of the world, that desire for the world, that's the head of all of this. That's the root of all. If you can root that out, if you can measure that, if you can contain that, then you solve all these other problems. Mm-hmm. It's like the, a- the, it's a lazy man's guide to salvation. <laughs> right. Just <laughs> well, tackle that one disease and you'll take care of everything. Lazy. You make it sound easy. I don't think it's easy. Well, it's not easy. It's certainly not easy. It's a clear way to tackle the diseases, but it, this is this is something that we're, what we're talking about here is, you know, it's a lifelong pursuit and struggle. So if, if you're not there yet, where you know you still care about Teslas, <laughs> then that's all right. It, it, recognize that this is a struggle that you're still undergoing, and continue to pursue. May Allah reward you. And and you're never going to be there. That's that's life, right? You you you'll you'll never have made it. The second you think, okay, I'm good now, that's that's the beginning of your demise, right there, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's, a, it's an ongoing struggle. The, the 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 path of self purification, the path of refinement of your soul, is a path that doesn't end. But you got to keep on going. Mm-hmm. So there's a fourth element to zuhud. My favorite that is to raise your aspirations beyond the dunya, beyond that- this world. That is huge. Like that is incredibly profound to, to say that all the things that we pursue, again, how we measure our lives and our success, all of that is low. All of it, the, the promotion, the job, the business success, um, the like everything that you can possibly desire and pursue in this world is, is low. Like that's a low expectation of yourself. You need to raise your aspirations above it. That's incredible. Yeah, exactly. And why? Because ultimately, it's, none of it really matters. It's all going to perish, and you're only left with a few things, right? You're yeah, left with the good works that you did in this world. 
and you're left with sadaqah and you're left with children who make who make dua for you right that's what that's what you leave behind everything else it's as if it never happened right so i i really like the idea of of uh, the analogy here of a an investment time horizon mm-hmm. okay why don't you explain what that means for people first uh time horizon you can kind of think of a time horizon being when you're cashing in on your efforts today so if you're 20 and you want to retire at 60 and you're putting money away into your retirement accounts then your time horizon for those investments in your in your retirement accounts is 40 years plus right because mm-hmm. you're going to retire at 60 and you're going to live beyond 60 so you're going to work today put money away and all of that effort has 40 years before you're going to cash in on that effort so it's a 40 year time horizon yeah, and a lot of what we talk about here on RiskWise and in, in the personal finance genre in general really comes down to teaching people how to exercise or rather to delay gratification. Mm-hmm. That yes, you can consume that thing now and you can spend that money on that thing now, but if you delay gratification and don't get that thing, you can save that money, you can invest that money, and you'll have more in 20, 30, 40 years, whatever your investment time horizon is, usually we're looking at retirement, right? A dollar right. today is much more than a dollar when you retire. So save it now, invest it now, and you'll have more in the end. Mm-hmm. This idea of raising your aspirations beyond the dunya to me is like having an eternal time horizon. That we as Muslims, we don't define our time horizon, you know, the, the point at which we get our return on investment in this world. It's not in yeah. this world. Right. We are delaying gratification until the next world. That's that's how I look at it. Yeah, I think that's profound because it reminds me of uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think in Cosmos, maybe it was in one of his other shows, and I'm sure he's not the first to do this. But uh, he illustrated Neil deGrasse Tyson's an astronomer. He illustrated the the existence of the universe, like the universe, as uh, and the analogy was a calendar from January first to December thirty first, and if the universe's inception is, you know, midnight, January, 12.01 a.m., January 1st, then humankind's existence, like our whole species' existence, is something like, you know, December 31st at, like, 5 p.m. The rest of the year, human beings didn't even exist, like, let alone you and me and our life. And that's just the time horizon of the beginning of the universe as we know it till today, when we talk about the time horizon of your actions being eternity, it's much bigger than that. No, it's it's mind blowing, and our and our our minds can never really fully comprehend that. But yeah, when you when you reflect on the time horizon or the spectrum of eternity, the you know the few years that we live in this world, and you know work a job and have a family and pay our bills, like it's all pretty meaningless, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's and it's a blip on the radar. Um, Imam Shafi famously said that um, the dunya is but a moment, so make it a moment of obedience. Because this one little, you know, this one little moment on the spectrum of eternity will determine how you spend eternity. Yeah, it's, it's really mind blowing to think about that. It's just, like it's, it's easy a small for, amount of time. Yeah, and it's easy for us to talk about this and say this, but it's a lifelong struggle to live up to it. And you know, may Allah remind myself. I remind myself, and I remind everybody else about this because it's definitely not something that Ahmed and I are preaching because we've done it. At all. Oh, no. I mean, that's, you know, to be honest, like most of the stuff we talk about on RiskWise, like it's for myself first. And that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. And and, um, and inshallah, I mean, that's that's the idea here is that we want to be able to provide people with these reminders and, and help you contextualize them and, and give you some practical steps that you can take to embody qualities like zuhud and, and minimalism and this idea of doing without the dunya. Absolutely. 
So I think, Saeed, let's call this part one of, of, of this episode um, and we can continue because we've got a, quite a bit left to go. We can continue next week with part two. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you're on iTunes, that's great. We would love to get a rating and a review from you, an honest one. Um, if you do that, it'll really help us get the show in front of more people and hopefully more people will benefit. Inshallah. Inshallah. If you're not already on our email list, you want to go to riskwise.com, R-I-Z-Q-W-I-S-E.com. Drop your email address in the little box there on the homepage and we'll make sure you get all the latest episodes sent straight to your inbox. And, and the, the lesson summaries, Ahmed writes, uh, every time we put out an episode, that's a big part of what we offer at RiskWise. It's not just the audio podcast, but also Ahmed's glorious written word. Not yeah, glorious, but glorious. really good written word. No. Gloria, I mean, you're, you're under, underselling it, really, is what you're doing. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Saeed. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.